0: the garments on my skull face spouse my fear the twist refund delivering that don't to the front don't like a piece of carrying her own weight financial that she don't need me she's just in love with a real nigga, continuously weed in my underclothes alright you all right y'all what is going on this is your man ill Jamal coming through with another edition of never out of bounds of course this is the place we say what you want as long as you got in facts Um I would like to apologize, it's been a while since my last update. Um, I've been going through some things recently. Um, For one, I had a sinus infection uh, that kept me uh, relatively low-key for a while. Then um, my back pretty much uh, went out for a while at work, and that kept me on the sidelines a little bit as well, just in a lot of pain, didn't really want to do too much really hard to concentrate and do all that when you're in pain and i don't take painkillers and all that i'm not really into that so i'll smoke a little bit and i just kind of rest and kind of chill so um kind of let some things pass me by and then also when i finally get healthy uh my mom passes away last week of heart failure so i've been through a whole lot these past few weeks uh so forgive me for missing so much i'll do my best to get back into it i do have two uh videos i have put up on youtube uh one i put out in december if you haven't come across that one yet please do check it out that is l jamal's art gallery i also got uh my newest up- upload i put that out sometime last week and um i'm going over all the drama surrounding, well, that was surrounding Antonio Brown and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I named that any given Sunday, things can go wrong. So, uh, if you get a chance, take a look at that as well. Like I said, I apologize. But, like I said, but, uh, like i said, just been going through some personal things, um, some family course stuff. And, um, it sucks. But, um, more notably, my mom passing away more than anything else, um really unexpected but I will say uh, thank you to all the people who've reached out to me and uh, made sure that I've been okay at this point in time I know I haven't uh, told everybody in my circle or um, what's going on uh, directly just yet but uh, now you know so if you're listening so thank you to all the people who've reached out to me uh, thank you for all the people who've uh liked and watched the video, my newest video so far. <clears throat> uh thank you for the support. As I try to get myself uh back into uh back into everything and uh just kind of researching again. Well actually the, the, the cold part is I've been doing a lot of notes and I've been actually uh getting this the scripts together for certain videos. So I have been working just the, the extra anxiety and the extra stress and even the sadness to some extent, like I said, there was some pain and just discomfort of being under weather. So you had those factors going in and <clears throat> this makes it hard to want to actually do this aspect of it. Getting the notes and the, the research and, you know, uh, comp- you know, editing those things were actually, you know, kind of fun and kind of okay. Cause it got me a chance to, Uh, you know really concentrate on something but sometimes the aspect of just doing this aspect and just talking and just showing you know some type of feelings about something getting into something that's a little bit hard you know for me at times when i'm going through something but without further ado you know what it is Uh, i will be leaving the links available for y'all to follow me Uh, so please do if you like and let's go ahead and get into it tonight we're just going to be focusing on some college football and some NFL uh week eighteen. Uh we're all we're gonna uh well I'm gonna be breaking down the playoff matchups a little bit later on in the week. But I just wanted to get through all the games of week eighteen. We're gonna get through the coach, uh the coaching carousel. We already got a few coaches being fired for to be exact as of now. And um Yeah, since we, I've already, you know, discussed A B on YouTube on my YouTube channel, so you really got to go through that so just like i said some college football i want to get to the national championship i also wanted to talk about a few of the other major ball games just to kind of give you an idea of you know kind of what i feel also wanted to get through some of the coaching carousel there as well because of course you got coaches being hired signed fired extended etc And also wanted to touch up on the transfer portal as well because at this point the year for college football that is the major thing that's happening and i'm going to try to sneak in a little bit of just some headlines in there just to kind of briefly get into how i feel about them as well we're not going to go too deep on those and if i can it, and it's all about just if i can fit it in if i can't fit it in don't worry about it y'all like i said i'm just easing my way back into this and we'll get to you know we'll get we'll get deeper as time goes on so like i said let's go ahead and get into it of course we have the national championship uh, Monday, and um, you know, Georgia really surprised me. I saw that's the first thing I'm gonna say. I was not expecting Georgia to be able to pull it off against Bama like that, I hadn't seen it just yet. And I'm the type of person that has to see it to believe it. Uh, but something happened between the SEC championship and now, and uh, Georgia uh, is definitely the king of the college football world. They were able to beat up on Alabama. Thirty-three to eighteen, finishing their season at fourteen and one. Of course, this is Bama's second loss. They finished at thirteen and two. For Georgia, in this game, they were led by Stetson Bennett. Of course, uh, under center, going seventeen to twenty-six, two hundred and twenty-four yards. He would have two touchdown passes. And on the ground, Zamir White would lead the way with eighty-four rushing yards and a touchdown. George Pickens would be the leading receiver in terms of yards with fifty-two. But Uh, I think it's pronounced Adonair Mitchell would have two receptions for 50 yards, but he would have a score as well. Tight end Brock Bowers would get a late reception, uh, receiving touchdown, excuse me. And defensive back Kelly Ringo would pretty much put a cap on a nicely played game by the Bulldogs with an interception return for just uh, for a touchdown. Just to kind of break it down from what I saw from Georgia, uh, really composed the second time around, um, both teams play great defense. Uh, Georgia will come up with turnovers, and I'll get into what Alabama was doing in a second. But both teams play really good defense. I know the saying, you know, defense wins championships. You know, that's that rang true in this game. Both teams were really relying on their defense. I mean, of course, their offenses, you know, they they were nothing to, you know. Of course, Bryce Young was your Heisman winner, so you had that going for Bama, but you know, you had offense there, but again, these defenses, you know, are elite. There's nothing I can uh, really say um you know outside of just great defensive play from for really both teams. Uh despite kind of what the score says, uh we'll get into what Bama did in just a second. Uh speaking of which Bryce Shum would we'll go thirty five or fifty seven. He would have 369 yards. He would throw a touchdown pass. Uh, he, But he would have two picks. Uh, you know, like I said, Georgia will come up with the timely, you know, turnovers. Uh, Brian Robertson will be the team's leading rusher with 68 yards on the ground. And tight end Cameron Latu would have five receptions for 102 yards. And, of course, that touchdown. Defensively, like I said, for Alabama, they will force, I believe, five sacks uh, early and often. And... Um, they looked really good as well on the defensive line. Now, what I did notice was it was a little bit against the norm. You normally don't see this too much from a Nick Saban coach team, uh, particularly on the on the defense, but you would see a couple uh, penalties. Actually, I think this was probably the most I've seen them penalized in any game this season or just in a, in a while. So, um, you know, a little bit of a sloppy game from Alabama on that front. But for the most part, like I said, they did the the best that they could. Uh, they really didn't have a ru- a rushing attack. They didn't really have that balance there, and uh, Bryce Young did make a couple, especially on those interceptions. They were pretty pretty bad passes to say the least. Um, but I think he'll be back uh, next year. You know to probably be in the mix again for that. And um, as far as Georgia, like I said, offensively. had a really good balance. Like I said, Stetson Bennett uh, was able to put the ball through the air. That was surprising to me as well. I did not really peg him as a championship caliber quarterback. Uh, He seemed to have, you know, training wheels on him to be honest and almost like a game manager type but uh that that blew me away uh they also did a pretty good job on the ground like i said zamir white would almost get 100 yards but you also had james cook uh doing his thing as well and brock bowers really had a great uh receiving touchdown uh, near the end, like I said, this was in the fourth quarter. And the way it was just set up, uh, once he started going, he's he's a bigger body. He's not super – he wasn't super fast on that play. But, again, once he's once he hit full stride, there was nothing really a Bama could, defender could do to really bring him down or really catch up to him at that point. He had a really decent, uh, you know, get up. He's not – like I said, he wasn't necessarily super fast, but he was able to get the job done on that play. I don't think they were really expecting him to get the ball. Again, this was um, a vastly different showing from what I saw in the SEC Championship. My my hat is tipped off to Georgia, and this is a year that I can eat crow and say the SEC is the king of the conferences this year, Um, although I still will say that they're top heavy because I'm not really buying some of these other teams as as legit threats. that's just me. I think I'll. I think again, you'll play musical chairs between LSU and and you know Florida, and but they're not always that great. Look at Florida. Look at LSU. Uh, they might have a decent year next year. I think Texas A and M is probably your third legitimate team coming from that conference to really be good, and we'll have to see what happens with them. But with that being said, Georgia and Alabama, at this point, this this season would have beaten anybody in any type of playoff, uh, you know, configuration. If those two were in it, you probably would have the same matchup. And, of course, um, if we look back in the preliminaries, uh, we had, uh, you know, of course, Georgia blowing out Michigan. Uh, Michigan really didn't stand a chance. The final score was 34 to 11. I'm pretty sure Georgia would have did that to my favorite team, Oregon. They would have done that to Ohio State. Uh, pretty much, like I said, any team you would have put in that top four, Oklahoma, anybody. And as far as Alabama, of course, they would blow out. Well, I, yeah, they would pretty much uh, defensively, because defensively they seem to v- really be on point. Uh, they, they pretty much crushed Cincinnati. Only they, Cincinnati could only put up six points. Desmond Ritter would put up 144 passing yards. Jerome Ford for Cincinnati would put up 77 rushing yards. But again, they couldn't score at least touchdowns. So. Again, Bryce Young would throw three touchdowns in that game. I think Bryce. I think Bama would have beaten Oregon. I think Bama would have beaten Michigan. Bama would have beaten Ohio State. Like I said, same thing with Oklahoma. It, it, it wouldn't have made a difference, you know. Um, three hundred and one total rushing yards from Alabama in that game versus Cincinnati. That's killing most of these teams. That just that alone. Uh, would kill a lot of teams. Cincinnati was held to just 3.8 yards a play in that semifinal game, two or 12 on third down. Again, I don't see a lot of teams doing that much better. Um, we could sit there and try to, you know, bash them from being from a small school, from a smaller conference. But uh, you know, again, a lot of these big time schools are not looking that good against Alabama nor Georgia. Now, the rest of the SEC, I'm just gonna say this right now. Uh, Texas A&M. They have a good recruiting class this year. We'll have to see what happens, but I think the rest of the SEC could be taken. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not sold on the conference as a whole. But I will. For I will for always, forever say Bama is one of the top schools. And as of right now, we have Georgia. So that's two teams. I can't say the whole conference, but these two teams right here. Yes, there's no argument about it. Uh, these are the two best teams uh, in the nation. Uh, look at some other uh, notable ball games, at least in my opinion, of course, uh, my ducks take a L, L course to Oklahoma and uh this was of course in the Alamo Ball. Forty seven to thirty-two was the final score. Oklahoma finishes the season eleven and two. The Ducks move to ten and four. In this one, the Ducks seem to move the ball a little bit. Of course, in the second half, uh Anthony Brown would have to, would go two, 27 to forty. Decent game from him, three hundred and seven yards. Travis Dye, 153 yards and a touchdown. Uh Tony Franklin and Chris Hudson would both get receiving touchdowns. Our leading receiver was Dante Thornton with four receptions and 90 yards and a touchdown? And safety Safety, excuse me, Safety Jeffrey Bassa would have nine total tackles. Now the question you might be asking yourself is, well, damn, like you know, Oregon played pretty good offensively. How do we get to this final score? Well, Oklahoma will pretty much you know start off really fast and hot, and um, Oregon, of course, has been a team this whole year to not be will to not have a remedy for that so by the second half by the end of the second half Oregon will find themselves down 24 zip so it was pretty much ugly or we outscored 24 at least 24 zip in the second quarter so I think they had like a field goal in the first quarter something like that but it was an ugly second quarter for us and we really couldn't make our you know make the best of it out of that but Caleb Williams and what could have been his last game from Oklahoma I everybody's saying it's likely uh he has entered the transfer portal that's one hint that I will give away so far about it uh but Caleb Williams has offered himself up he's willing to you know go somewhere else they're saying USC so to join up with Lincoln Riley but anyways in this game in the Alamo ball he will go 21-27 Uh, 242 yards, three touchdowns. Kennedy Brooks would have a monster game as well. 142 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Again, the Achilles heel for the the Ducks defense has been the rushing, uh, has been, you know, what they can do against the run, and they have not looked well. Stanford beat us like that. Uh, We also had Utah beating us twice like that. Whew. Yeah, not a good look. Again, no excuses though no excuses and there's some things that we um can do that i mean there's some things that looked positive that we can move into for next year but um We'll talk about a little bit more about it in the coaching, and, of course, we'll get to the transfer portal in just a second. So we'll talk even more about some Oregon football in just a little bit. But back to Oklahoma, wide receiver Marvin Mims would be the team's leading receiver. He would have two catches for 57 yards and a touchdown, and Eric Gray and Drake Stoops would have receiving touchdowns as well. And defensively, uh, you know, uh, defensive back Justin Bros play a good game. Uh, he would have six total tackles. He would get a pick, and defensive lineman Jalen Redmond would get a sack as well. So, like I said, three hundred eighteen total rushing yards for Oklahoma in this game, monster. What can you again? Teams cannot cannot. Def, I mean, again, teams cannot win when they're giving up three hundred plus yards on the ground, and it's a bad look. So, there were some positives from Oregon. There were some negatives to take away from that and um before i get to the, the coaching carousel i will say this mario crystal ball being hired by miami doesn't hurt me as much as a strength and conditioning coach that the ducks had leaving and going to miami with him i should tell you something as a duck fan as me being a duck fan moving on to the peach bowl we got uh, Michigan State capping off their turnaround season with a win against number 13, Pittsburgh. Of course, uh, Michigan State was number 11. And um, the final score on this one was 31-21. to Michigan State finishes the year 11-2. and Pittsburgh finishes the year with 11 wins as well, but three losses. Uh, starting quarterback Kenny Pickett, he would have pro, well, he has pro aspirations. He was a starter for Pittsburgh. He would sit out on this one to so the backup. Davis Bevel will get the, we'll get the, will get the start in this one going 14 of 18 for 149 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick on the ground. We had Nick Patty with a rushing touchdown. Uh, wide receiver, Justin, sorry, Jordan Addison will get seven receptions and 114 yards and Jared Wayne will get a receiving touchdown defensive back. Uh, sorry, defensive back Brandon Hill will get an interception as well, as well and defensively Pitt would force four t- four sacks and also two fumbles. Now for Michigan State, P- uh, Peyton Thorn will go 29 50 for 354 yards. He would throw for three touchdowns and an interception. Jalen Naylor would have six receptions for 108 yards on the ground. Connor Hayward, the running back, would have an eight would have a receiving touchdown. And Jalen Reed would have six receptions for eighty yards and a touchdown. Defensively, uh, Cal Halliday would have eleven total tackles and an interception. And defensive end Brandon Wright would have one and a half sacks. Again, I don't know how they count half sacks in football. Uh, don't ask. Please don't. Now Michigan uh, would close out the game with twenty-one unanswered points in the fourth quarter. That was pretty much uh, that was pretty much the story of the game, right there. It was pretty much close up until that point. Michigan just kind of put Michigan State kind of put the foot on the gas. It was a good win. Uh, Both teams finished the year with 11 wins, which is something that both teams are not used to. Uh, I will say in terms of who has a leg up in terms of who's going to exceed that, or maybe at least match that going into next year. I'm probably probably excuse me. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going with Michigan State. Uh, They seem to be bringing in a good decent number of transfers. Uh, I don't know about the recruiting class just yet, but I I think their coaching is solid enough. Um, again, I, I, I'm kind of on the fence about both of these scenes, to be honest, because, you know, this is just the this is just uh, Mel Tucker's first year. So I'm interested to see what happens next year in the Big Ten. Um, are they able to beat Ohio State or at least look competitive with them? Do they win two straight against Michigan State? That doesn't always happen. Those type of things are going to have to happen more often, you know, for, for a lot of us. And I think, you know, not just me, I mean, not just me, but a lot of us, you know, people that are, in, you know, kind of trying to figure this out when we make these rankings, I guess. We're trying to see if these teams can, you know, are continuously winners. Like, you know, um... Uh, Utah for example wins when's the Pac-12 next, uh, this year this season do they win it next season you know um, I know you have Oregon as a favorite to win the North but now everybody's going to want to go with USC now I don't, I'm not going to buy into the USC hype train you know how the media does especially since Lincoln Riley is there but, and you know how I feel and they're saying that Caleb William, Williams wants to go there as well but you know, just, that's just kind of how it goes. It's just like, you know, Utah wins it this year pretty convincingly. They beat Oregon twice. They had a pretty good showing in the Rose Bowl, but despite all that, you know, USC is probably going to be the favorite to win that division, and maybe even to win the Pac-12, just on virtue of them just hiring Lincoln Riley. So, that's just kind of what I don't like about college football sometimes. It's a lot of politics and a lot of, you know, I like these guys, and I'm going to give them the higher spot and kind of some of that sometimes. So, anyways, let's move on to the coaching carousel. Of course, one of the main things that happens right after any you know, like we saw just on Monday in the NFL. But it's pretty much as soon as the season is over, you are seeing coaches come. You're seeing coaches go. And uh, you know what? Let's talk about it. And uh, we're going to start off with Oregon. And, of course, like I said, they will lose their head coach, Mario Cristobal. He'll go ahead and sign with Miami. Like I said, I'm more, I'm more, you know, worried about, well, more saddened about our strength and, con- strength and conditioning coach leaving. I thought he was a really cool guy. I thought he fit the mold of what the team is trying to do. So, I pretty much liked, I liked his character and who he was. You look him up, I can't remember his name right now, but, Really interesting guy. He Got one of those like ninth early 1900s handlebar mustaches, but again, he's a really cool dude. And the uh, the campus, the players on the campus seem to like him a lot. So I thought that was a little bit of a I thought that was even more of a L. Now they would bring in Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator from Georgia. Now his team was ranked 14th in total defense this year, 16th against the run, of course, that being Georgia, but they were first in points allowed. Um, with just 19 and a half. He's also known for being a really great recruiter, particularly in the South. And he was with, uh, Georgia in this last game. So in the national championship game, so you gotta, you got a chance to see what he can do on the defensive side of things. And I mean, I, 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 duck fans, y'all got, we got a lot to be, to be excited for. That was a pretty good showing. Um, Really good defensive showing, um, right? I mean, he kept Alabama right under uh, the season average at 18. Uh, forced a lot of, forced a few sacks, forced a lot of turnover, forced a few uh, turnovers as well. You know, really good. Um, Lincoln Riley thought he was gonna run away from the SEC. Looks like the SEC wants to come with him because of course uh, Oregon would go on and bring in offensive coordinator. Uh, oh man, I can't remember his first name, uh, but he was from. Uh, he most recently was at. Uh, he most recently was was at Florida State, and uh, they brought him in because, of course, he fits in with our new transfer quarterback, Bo Nix. Apparently, uh, he was his offensive coordinator uh, when he was uh, his. Yeah, Kenny Dillingham. There we go. He was the offensive coordinator down in Auburn with Bo Nix's first few years. And we'll get to kind of how I feel about Bo Nix in just a second. But as far as Dan Lanning is concerned, I think it was a smart pickup. And um, I'll talk more about it again, uh, at least in my uh, history of Oregon football video that I'm trying to put out soon. On, uh, soon, But I will, I will say this. Uh, Oregon has also done something that they – you know, that they've been doing the last, uh, I would say the last few years, uh, just to kind of just to kind of clear everything else. They have a whole I mean, because, again, they, this is a this is a program that's usually held on to coaches for a long period of time, assistance for almost 20 plus years. So uh, this is the, the I mean, the past few, you know, coaching, I guess you call them 10 years. They've really done a good job of clearing everything out, you know, really starting over. And taking on a whole kind of different identity that, that, uh, you know, can fit that exact coach. So I respect it. I respect it. Now, of course, Oklahoma, they will lose with uh, Lincoln Riley, who will go to USC. But they will bring in Brent Venables, defensive coordinator out of Clemson. Uh, This year, Clemson uh, didn't do that great in terms of yardage, uh, but because they would finish 43rd in total defense. Uh, They were 34th against the run, however, so pretty decent against the run. Uh, But they were second in points allowed a game at just 15. Uh, Sorry, they were first in points allowed. Of course, I read that wrong. So Alabama, take that back. Alabama was second in points allowed. Clemson was first. Take that back. Excuse me. Um, This was his last season at Clemson, of course. Uh, this was all in his last season at Clemson, of course. Only giving up 15 points a game. Of course, the ACC is, man, most years they weren't that great this year. But again, um, for a, for a down year, this is pretty much a down year for Clemson. They finished, they, they, yeah, they finished nine and four. They don't like that, but just to kind of have a have those type of defensive stats where you're second in points, sorry, when you're first in points allowed that's a good thing um i i I definitely think um i definitely think that uh oklahoma well yeah oklahoma got at least a good defensive mind i don't know if he's a quarterback whisperer or can really develop a quarterback which is why you see Caleb williams leaving to the transfer portal so that is what it, you know. It is what it is. Uh, he does have ties with Oklahoma. Uh, he would serve with Bob Stoops as his defensive coordinator from nineteen eighty nine to two thousand eleven. And you know what? You know what, y'all. I keep reading these stats wrong, and I won't. I won't feel right if I keep saying it. It keeps feeling it like this. Sorry, Georgia is first. It was first this year in scoring defense. They only allowed nine point five. I take that back. So, and. Clemson is second with 15. So, again, my bad, you I keep looking at this wrong. But uh, I won't sleep right if I let it go. <laughs> but um, anyways, uh, we go down to Florida. And Florida... Uh, they make a splash. They sign a young, hot coach. Uh, they get Billy Napier uh, from Louisiana. He was 39, in, uh, 39 and 12, excuse me, in four seasons there. Three straight 10 plus one seasons. Two times Sun Belt champion and two times Sun Belt coach of the year. Um, again, this is a step up in competition. We go into the SEC for billy napier but as far as i know far as what i've read about him and heard about him the videos i have watched about him he's a great coordinator he's a solid offensive play caller we will have to see because again louisiana we're not talking about lsu here but we're just talking about louisiana um again sunbelt it's a way smaller conference so we'll have to see again he's going to make that transition i mean i don't know how much of a leash they're going to give him in florida um you know, I, I think this is a year of just people, I mean, these teams just kind of, not, I'm not going to say hiring whoever, but not just going for, you know, the typical names. I think that's a good, this is a good year for that. So let's look at, it. Let's, before I let the coaching carousel go, I do want to look at some of the no, more notable extensions across the college football landscape, just kind of give, uh, give y'all a look at who's staying put. Uh, first up, we have Mark Stoops. Uh, He will uh, resign with Kentucky through 2027. Uh, He's been 58 and 53 so far since joining up in 2013. Uh, He's also three and two in their ball games last year. Oh, sorry. This season, they would finish nine and three and five and three. All positive, all positives, excuse me. Um, Kentucky has been known for a long time as a football school. I'm sorry, as a basketball school. The football team has not really, you know, been there to kind of balance things out, I guess to say the least. But they've been solid under Mark Stoops so far. They haven't cro- they haven't cracked um that that, you know, that ceiling and won a an SEC title yet. I don't think it's necessarily in their cars to do so, at least under Stoops. Um, they might shock somebody. They might shock the world and win the SEC East at one time. I you know, who knows? But they've been close to doing that. They might have actually done that, if I'm not mistaken. I have to think about that. So I can't remember. But I think that's that's probably their ceiling. Maybe a SEC East title. Maybe you, you know, get a decent ball game here and there. But, you know, they're winning. He has a winning record with the team. That's what they're looking for. And that's, And as of this moment, they won. They won their ball game. So that's what's important course we have scott frost he will remain in nebraska i know that's surprising but he would have to restructure his contract because again he's just gone he's only won 15 games there that's not going to cut it uh he's 10 and 23 versus the big 10 that's not going to work i think if he continues to lose through the next year he's going to get canned i'm just keeping it real with you um Nebraska has been through so much and I know that they love Scott Frost a lot and that's why they're probably even doing this Um, but they're going to have to turn things around drastically and I, I don't know how because it's difficult to recruit uh, people out of, you know, the high school guys, so maybe they might have to work through the transfer, uh, transfer portal and really latch on the kids who might not be, you know, getting the reps at Michigan Michigan or Ohio State and look at those teams and, you know, maybe see what they can do, you know, in terms of that. But maybe JUCO guys, something like that. But, you know, something has to give and something has to make this this program unique, I think um just to kind of get people in the door and to get them to kind of get them back into some type of revel, you know relevance you know i don't know you know um i don't know if they take the oregon route and get all these different uniform combinations or any i don't i wouldn't know but uh, with the nil situation name image likeness and and players being able to pretty much kind of sign wherever they want to now uh based on you know kind of their preferences it might be even harder than ever uh, for Nebraska to, to kind of rec- recruit talent. But at the same time, maybe, you know, th- the landscape changes. You know, who knows? Uh, we also – oh, sorry. Moving on, though, we do have Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. He does re-sign with the Beavers until 2028. Uh, the, the Beavers were – you know, uh, slightly above the top 50 in terms of scoring with over 31 points per game. They finished at 45th. Uh, they were 36 in rushing rushing in the nation, not too bad, with over 212 yards per game. Uh, they were 7-6 and six overall and they had their first ball appearance since 2013. So, they, you know, they are headed in the right direction. Again, uh, Oregon State is just one of those programs where you can't just again, out. they're going to have to just win you know, 10 games, you know, a season for the next three or four years for me to kind of say, look, this team is, you know, going to just turn around and be this great program or you know, something like that. Not to take away from what Smith has done right now, but with all that's going on in the Pac-12 right now, you know, I still see, you know, I, there's always a chance that they can always knock us off. Um... Uh, But it's very rare that they come through with a conference title. So, again, unless they're knocking us off and it's a really easy year. And what I mean by us is, of course, you know, Oregon, of course, their main rival, they're knocking them off and they're winning the Pac-12 North, uh, you know, consistently. Maybe they have a shot. But that has to be seen. Um, Again, I I know that the Ducks, I'm sorry, the Beavers are kind of going into, you know, this is a great year for us, for our standards, seven wins. Um, you know, we made a ball game great. We were, you know, top thirty, top forty in rushing. We also are, you know, if you look at them now, they're trying to make changes on their stadium, so they're kind of filling themselves. We'll have to wait and see what goes on. They're almost like a, they're almost like Michigan State and Mel Tucker. Like you sign this guy to this longer, you know, this this extension. You gave him this amount of money, but again, we'll have to wait and see kind of how that all. And finally, we have uh, James Franklin from uh, Penn State. He was on a 10-year extension with them, $75 million guaranteed. He's been 67 and 32 over there for the, the past eight sorry, the past eight seasons. So at the end of this extension, he will have been there for almost 20 years. Damn. Uh, but he was a Big Ten champion in 2016. You know, I 2016 is, is four years ago. I don't think I'm offering 75 guaranteed for somebody that won, won a championship for me four years ago. Conference championship for that matter, four years ago. Times has changed. The landscape of that conference has changed. Who knows what happens the next season. Ten years is a long time to have somebody on the payroll. Um, and just with the fluctuations of, of what can happen now. He does have a winning record, of course, sixty-seven to thirty-two, of course. Uh, way, you know, significantly more wins. But, um, you know, the past few seasons he hasn't looked. Like, that team hasn't looked like they are really going to challenge for that Big Ten title. To be honest, uh, it's been pretty much Ohio State, Ohio State, without really question. Um, you know, again, you had this year with Michigan kind of pulling things off and um, getting that upset. And uh, making it to the college football playoff, but can it happen again? You know, it's it's hard. You know, I mean, so I, you've already got Michigan in the mix again, just because by virtue of what they've been able to do this year, it's gonna be hard for for uh, Penn State to do a whole lot, you know, for a while. Um, again, unless uh, Harbaugh decides he goes to the pros, which again is another rumor. Go back to the pros. Um. He's been linked to the Raiders and a couple other teams. Who knows what happens between now and the start of, you know, the football season. But with Michigan back in the mix, mix, again, you got to look at Michigan State for what they've done this year. They could have another good season. You have to look at them as well. So, and of course, again, Ohio State is going to be around. I think Iowa is a quarterback away from being... I Think a a potential conference at least a dark horse their quarterback away If you if if you look at what they did defensively outside of a couple games, I believe uh, they didn't really have a great game versus Michigan Uh, But again, they have a solid enough defense. They have a really good uh, You know defense that creates turnovers. They have a solid running attack. They just don't have a a good quarterback But they're kind of in the mix as well so, uh, you know Man, ten years to have all these teams kind of in the mix and be kind of challenging, you know. I, uh, I don't know. Ten years is a long time for me. I, that's, oh man, I, I think I could go personally for an extension if he's a. If he, I mean again, if he's if he's Nick Saban, then yeah, I'm giving him ten years. I'm gonna offer it every time. Like if he if he's winning championships like every other year back to back, and you know what I'm saying. Of course, you take that chance, but. It's not like he's taken, he hasn't taken Penn State to a national championship yet. I believe they won a, I believe they won a Rose Bowl at one point, which again, if you're a Pac 12 or a Big Ten team, that's significant. It's like the next best thing. Really, any New Year's 6 ball is, meaning, for those of you who don't know that terminology, any ball game that's played on January 31st or 1st, that's significant. Then that should be that should be held in high esteem as well. We're so national championship driven, when we know that we're showcasing these games. You know, people are getting picked up, you know, by scouts on these games. We know that, especially now with NIL, this is making and making people, you know, these great stars, these you know these these rose balls and all that. So they're important too. So this is this I mean they're not as important, of course, as the national championship. But you take a team like Oregon a Rose Bowl, you give him 11 wins and a Rose Bowl, the town of Eugene is pretty happy. If you went to Berkeley, you gave him 11, 12 wins in a season, you know, getting a Rose Bowl, they'll be, they'll take that. So would USC. So would, you know, you look at the Big Ten, like I said, because the Big Ten versus the Pac-12. You, you went to Michigan and you say, hey, here's here's 12 wins and a Rose Bowl. You know, come on now. I mean, now, had Harbaugh done that a couple times, I don't see why, why not he gets the biggest extension that he does, but, you know, with, with again with you know, these these conferences and how a lot of these teams are recruiting, a lot of teams are recruiting as well as they ever had. <laughs> so again, I um we'll talk more about it in just a second, uh, with the with the Transfer Portal, just to kind of bring it up again, but uh in in passing, but again you know, this is not nineteen the nineteen fifties and sixties. I think, you know, this is opportunity for a lot of different teams across college football. Uh, to be at least decent, and you will starting to hear about them. And look at you know, like for example, UTSA, uh, San Antonio. Nobody's talked about them a lot, but this was one of their first uh, top 25 finishes uh, in their program's history. So again, it was it, you know you can we could talk about the level of competition, but you know for a while, you know Boise State was known as you know this team and you know, a program that could you know you know run havoc. So it was, you know, TCU for a long time. So again, I like it. I like the parody. I like seeing teams like Mississippi State be successful. I like seeing teams like possibly like Oregon State have a run at a title at one point in time. It's it's fun. Um, I think it, it it's worthwhile for football. We don't just need to see Alabama win every time. But again they earned it at the same time. Um, but again it will be nice to see, you know, a Kansas State out of nowhere, you know, make it to you know, at least a semifinal game. You know that's okay too. I mean, people like to watch those type of feel-good stories. That's that's always good too. Winning for anybody is good. I don't understand what you know. Um, and again, I'll get into why I'm kind of bringing it up like that in just a second because I I I was hearing you know what's his name Sabin and, and uh, Kirby Smart from Georgia saying some stuff. Well, I'll wait for a second to get into. it. Let's move on. Let's get into the transfer portal, so we can get into that other major point. Uh, I'm just gonna lay it out. Uh, but anyways, um, let's see, Kirby Smart, like I said, and, and Nick Saban was out there. You know, they were really concerned about these NIL deals, right? And they were concerned about the balance of power. And I'm just gonna tell y'all right now: don't believe that hype. <laughs> I think I think uh, they are both concerned. Uh, because this, again, like I said, this is a chance for a lot of different teams to attract talent, to attract, you know, good coaching. And just, you know, this this is a chance for a lot of different programs to be what you consider to be good. And, uh, you know, they get a chance to get the best athletes. Everybody is, I'm not saying it's completely fair, but anybody has a shot. And I think when you start seeing that, the powers that be, whether it be the the power structure themselves or the, the teams that benefit, you'll start to hear them say something. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, how it needs to be made fair. I'm like, yeah, let it go. You were con- you just don't want to have to face somebody like, you know, you don't, you don't, you just, the I think the, the issue with them is they don't want their run at 20 thirty five star commits to be in jeopardy. As long as, you know, we get thirty and a team like Oregon can get five and, you know, Oklahoma can get ten, then it's all in balance. We don't we don't want to have to drop down our five star five star caliber, you know, count to to twenty while somebody like, you know, Kansas State, because of, you know, these NIL deals can get like five or six two. You know, we want all the five stars. That's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm hearing from Georgia and Alabama. I don't like it. And Georgia, you know, I can see where Georgia's coming from because it's their first championship since 1980. So they like, look, we want to be in the mix for a long time. No, no, no. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see somebody else be good. But, anyways, let's, like I said, let's move on to, uh, the transfer portal. Uh, like I said, you know, Caleb. Uh, Caleb Williams is the biggest mover so far. Well, he hasn't picked the school just yet, but again, he's at least entered his name. Uh, but again, uh, this is a year where you have a lot of quarterbacks on the move. Uh, for one, you have freshman, freshman, excuse me. He's going to be a sophomore pretty soon, though. Uh, actually, technically, now you got Quinn Ewers of Ohio. Well, he was of Ohio State, but he's now going to Texas. He didn't play at all last season, but he was a highly Highly recruited quarterback, I believe one of the top, I think the top quarterback uh, in the nation. And uh, he's one of the first to land an NIL NIL deal coming out of high school up to 100 plus million. Um, Again, like I said, he originally decided to go to Ohio State, to Ohio State, but it didn't work. So, you know, in terms of his starting, you know, his ability to start, because I believe you got C.J. Stroud, who's just going to just hold on to that spot for a while. And so he's decided to go back home and go suit up for the Longhorns. Of course, one of the biggest names on the move, we have Spencer Rattler, going from Oklahoma to South Carolina. Now in terms of his career stats, he completed over 70%, percent sorry, he completed 70% of his passes for 4,595 yards, 40 touchdowns, and also 12 interceptions. In terms of his 2021 stats, uh, he would complete 74% of his passes for 1,483 yards. He would have a eleven to five touchdown and interception ratio. Of course, he had to, you know, spend some time out because he wasn't playing that good, and Caleb Williams had to replace him. Uh, but he's a first team All Big Twelve, and he was a Big Twelve Championship MVP. Uh, he is stepping up into that that SEC ring. I don't know if he's ready for it, but he had to go. That's just what it is. Bo Nicks, of course, is going to Auburn. Sorry, going from Auburn to Oregon. Um, In terms of his career stats, he sits at 59% completion percentage with 7,251 yards, 39 to 16 touchdown to any interception ratio with 859 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns. Last season, he would throw for 2,294 yards, uh, 61% of his passes were complete, and he would have uh, 11 touchdowns to just three interceptions. Uh, Now, like I said, he does reunite with his off former offensive coordinator Kenny D- Dillingham. So the hope, or the hope by bringing him in and Dillingham in, is that they'll somehow have something, you know, working out. However, I like Ty Thompson. I think Oregon we are recruiting as well as we've ever had. I think we should trust it. Um, what's the point of being? What's the point of recruiting this good if you're just gonna just start? these freaking pretty much these transfers all the time particularly at quarterback we're wasting five-star talent and i don't want to i don't want to get it to a point where where there's you know you have top talent not willing to particularly at that position kind of hesitant about going to the school if they're just going to have a you know a transfer start off with them every year every anyway i don't think that's you know that's necessary I think we should trust the process. We've been, like I said, we've been recruiting as well as we ever had. Um, if Lanning is as good a re- as a recruiter as they say he is, we will be just as good as we were with Cristobal, and or if not better. So, I I don't see why uh, we you know. We continue. This part I have not liked about liked about the Ducks. I like the fact of clear, clearing house in terms of the staff. Every time we hire somebody new and kind of getting a new identity to match that coach. But one thing I don't like is how we like to get in these transfer quarterbacks. I, Vernon Adams didn't work. Anthony Brown didn't work. Herbert worked. Marietta worked. We recruited him. Dennis Dixon, for what it's worth, yes, uh, we didn't have the ultimate success we want with him, but he worked. Joey Harrington worked. He won a fiesta ball. He was a Heisman candidate. He worked for the Ducks. I don't see why we don't trust our recruiting and we're recruiting as one of the top teams in the nation. I don't get it. I don't get it. But anyways, moving on, we have Keaton Slovis. He's going from Southern California to Pittsburgh. Uh, so far in three seasons as a starter, he's at 58 touchdowns with 24 interceptions and had a 68% total completion percentage. Pretty decent quarterback. Um, again, USC is losing us. Uh, actually, I think they just lost that Jackson Dart as well. But I think the key here is they really believe with Lincoln Riley, they're going to be bringing in Caleb Williams. So that's what you got there. Up next, we have uh, Dylan Gabriel. He would initially, well, he is coming from UCF, and he initially would want to go, well, he initially Decided to go to UCLA, but he decided to switch things up and go to Oklahoma. Again, leading me to believe that Caleb Williams is probably going out of there. Uh, He was 18-8 as a starter at UCF, 60% completion percentage, 8,041 yards, 70 touchdowns, touchdowns, 14 interceptions, a 156 rating. And he did suffer from a uh, clavicle injury at one point earlier in the season. Uh, but he was a second team All ACC sort of, second team All American, sorry, American Athletic Conference member. So, really decent, a really good quarterback, some significant, you know, experience. So, if Caleb Williams decides to go, which is looking looking like it's gonna be, uh, you know, coming true soon, you know, it looks like they have a solid quarterback there in Oklahoma. Some other notable moves, we have Eli Ricks, defensive back, he'll be going to LSU, sorry, he's, he will be going from, sorry, from LSU to Alabama, freshman All-American last season, uh, but he, um, sorry, he did miss some time uh, with some with a soldier, shoulder injury, Ooh, excuse me, uh, he was also the year before, uh, he was a freshman All-American, uh, yes, a freshman All-American, uh, number 14th. Number 14 overall recruit uh, number 2 DB in the nation in the 2020 recruiting class so again, really solid player here, he'll be going to a defensive powerhouse of course in Alabama we got Micah Pittman, wide receiver leaving Oregon, going to Florida State Uh, he had very limited play time this year, I don't know why Uh, you know, Anthony Brown could have probably used all the offensive weapons on the outside he could have gotten I don't know uh, in his three seasons, he's just had 38 total receptions. So I get it; he needs to get his numbers. He don't. I mean, he might want to go, you know, to the pros. So I don't. I mean, he might have those ambitions. So I don't have a problem with it. You know, get yours, young man. I don't know. I don't have no uh, qualms with that. We also got Chris Balgo, defensive end, uh, going from Florida to Michigan State. Uh, he did start seven games over the past two seasons. He decided to make a move after pretty much learning that. Uh, his well learning at the starter uh, down there at Florida Britton Cox will be returning for a fifth year and uh, uh, sorry uh, hmm, the starter uh, Cox he accounted for at least 200 something snaps last year or maybe even more than that I believe so a good chunk of Florida's you know defensive play calling or you know play packages was going to the starter and Boggle wanted a chance to play and again I don't have a problem with that either you gotta you gotta get a chance if you really want to play that's all i'm gonna say on that uh we also got joshua moore rob receiver going from texas to texas tech uh he would lead uh texas texas in touchdowns in 2020 with nine but last season uh, he was just held to just 24 receptions for 265 yards and three touchdowns he also had a recent altercation with the head coach c sarkeesian so that doesn't look well um, again, Texas has had some, some, um, what's the word here? A lot of drama recently since, uh, Sarkeesian has took over. A few people have left as well. Uh, but he goes to in-state rival with Texas Tech, uh, Joshua Moore. I also wish him the best as well. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, yeah, this was a doozy. So I'm going to take a quick break and when we come back. We'll be going over week 18 in the NFL. Like I said, all the scores. Uh, well, pretty much all the scores. Yep. We're going to go over uh, some of the coaching firings as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. <laughs> In The Cadillac Man is Black Man And I'm a black man in the Cadillac Man, see what I'm saying is Ain't no diamonds in the back Diamonds on my neck, duh, diamonds on my neck duh, Diamonds on my neck I'm so fresh, so clean, and sharper than the gang So look at the soul of my air one See what I've been through, been through the struggle And drove through the fire, Kanye On the track, that nigga spitting through the wire. I spit that pain rap, every chorus Need a choir, like fiends, need suppliers Like daggers to the wires I'm rolling, turn my music up and keep rolling, 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 man, we just rolling, rolling, turn the music up, we just rolling, rolling, let the windows down and keep rolling, rolling, man, we just rolling, rolling, picture me rolling, rolling, sister on blast, just rolling, rolling, put on the gas, all right, y'all, we are going to break down week NFL, sorry, week NFL, sorry, week 18 in the NFL. Uh, we're also going to break down uh, some major news regarding uh, some of the coaches around the league as well. So let's get through the scores. Like I said, we'll get to that news in just a little bit. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to start everything off for Week 18 on Saturday with the Chiefs getting it done against the Broncos, 28 to 24. The Chiefs finished the regular season at 12 and 5, and the Broncos finished at 7 and 10. Yes, despite. Um, the records here. The game was relatively close, uh, with KC needing to come through with a final defensive stop, uh, with defensive tackle i'm sorry linebacker nick bolton uh, getting a fumble recovery touchdown pretty much selling the game for the team uh i think the broncos were up at one time as well so not a perfect game for the chiefs to say the least but uh again they showed up patrick Mahomes would go 27 to 44 for two touchdowns uh he also would have 54 rushing yards he was the team's leading rusher um Nicole Harden would get eight receptions and 103 yards. Travis Kelsey and Jarek McKinnon would get receiving touchdowns and defensively. You would also get a sack from Derek Nandi. Now, uh, for the Broncos, Drew Locke would have two rushing touchdowns. He would go 12 or 24 through the air for 162 yards. Melvin Gordon would have a good game on the ground. 110 rushing yards and a touchdown. Tim uh, Patrick was your team's leading receiver with six catches and 95 yards. And Shelby Harris would come up with a sack. Um, penn city i believe this is their 13th straight win over denver denver just has no answers and we'll talk about uh what happened with their coach in just a little bit because he's one of those coaches that's been well that's popped up uh we have the uh the cowboys getting it done against the eagles on saturday as well blowing them out 51 to 26 in this game the eagles rested their starters uh they were pretty much you know set, uh, they had settled with their playoff position and you know i guess they're you know keeping people healthy uh but uh for the cowboys they finish a the year at least the regular season 12 and 5 the eagles finish nine and eight uh the eagles like i said they had zero answers for the cowboys defense i'm guessing more so because you had some backups in there they will give up 20 points in the second quarter and then 21 points in the final quarter uh dallas was a force on defense as well getting to the quarterback three times and uh they will hold philadelphia to just 4.3 i think no four and a half yards per play so uh, very difficult sledding for them uh for the for the eagles uh, of course gardner Minshew will get the start 19-33 uh, to 33 for him, 186 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Kenneth Gangwell was your, was your Eagles' uh, leading rusher with 78 yards and also a touchdown. Kez Watkins would be your team's leading receiver. Five catches from him, 84 yards, and a touchdown. And tight end Ty, uh, sorry, defensive end Tyree Jackson, I think, will come up with a sack as well. Uh, we also got actually a receiving touchdown. Let me take that back. He's a tight end. Let me take that back. And defensive back, Josiah Scott, sorry. Kind of close to each other I didn't write I didn't write this Uh too great last night uh but anyways josiah uh, josiah scott in the secondary for the eagles will come up with a sack uh for the cowboys Dak will go 21 and 27 for 245 yards sorry 295 yards and five touchdowns jaquan hardy and Edo smith will both get rushing touchdowns we got cedric wilson as the team's leading receiver with five catches 119 yards and two touchdowns Dalton schultz will come up with two touchdown uh, catches as well and running back Corey clement will get a receiving touchdown uh uh, Laden Van der Esch would lead a, like I said, a great uh, Dallas effort uh, on Saturday with six total tackles and a sack, and we also got Demarcus Lawrence and Terrell Basham both coming up with sacks as well. Moving on to Sunday, we got the Washington football team closing out the season on a positive note despite finishing the year seven and ten. Uh, they got the win against the Giants. 22-7, the Giants finished the year at 4-13. and In this one, of course, uh, Taylor Heineken will get the start for the Washington football team, completing just eight of his passes, 9-18, 120 yards. Antonio Gibson would have a good game on the ground, though, 146 rushing yards and a touchdown. Terry McLaurin will be your team's leading receiver with four receptions and 93 yards. We got 11 total tackles from Cole Holcomb and safety Bobby uh. I think that's Bobby McCain yeah Bobby McCain will get two interceptions for the Giants Jake Fromm will get the start for uh, Chase Daniel why am I saying Chase Daniel oh my god that's how you know that's how you know that the Giants are that just nondescript for me oh my god I can't even remember the guy's name I don't care about the New York quarterback right now stages that week. Like I said, Jake Fromm will get the start 15-31, and 103 yards. Uh, we also had two picks from him, 53 yards on the ground. Again, he was a team leading rusher. Uh, Darius Slayton would have a receiving touchdown and linebacker Lorenzo Carter will get nine total tackles and a sack. I, I, I don't know why New York's quarterback is slipping my, my, my mind right now. Wow. I mean, I guess when you just don't make any good plays, He don't stick out to me. Well, that's just the way it is. Moving on, we got the Bengals. Uh, They finished their year off with a loss as well, Uh, but they are still going to the playoffs as a wild card. Uh, They beat well, they sorry they lose to the Browns 16 to 21. The Browns finish the year eight and nine. Of course, the Bengals are 10 and 7, like I said, going to the playoff as as a wild card. For the Bengals, they would sit some of their starters as well. Brandon Allen would get the start at quarterback going 15 to 29 for 136 yards. He also would throw a touchdown pass. Running back Chris Evans would have a receiving touchdown defensive end. Uh, Matt, sorry, Wyatt Ray will get a sack and Mike Hilton the defensive, a defensive back will get an interception. Uh, for the Browns, Case, case Keenum will go 17 of 24 for 176 yards. He would throw two touchdown passes, but he would throw a pick. The Ernest Johnson I keep confusing him from Duke Johnson I can't do that. It's the Ernest Johnson. I don't know why, I, why the fact that Duke Johnson is now with Miami has slipped my mind just like the fact that I don't know the Giants quarterback name right now. I'm sorry. Oh, Daniel Jones. There we go. That's what it is. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll go to a pro ball and I'll remember his name next season. I don't know. Uh, Deionis Johnson would have a pretty good game for the Browns, 125 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry would have six receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown. And running back, Dimitri uh, Felchin would have a receiving touchdown. Jadavion Clowney would come up with two sacks. You don't hear his name a lot, but he is apparently still around. So, uh, all-around decent game for the Browns. Uh, you know, not much to say, though, because, again, they miss out on the playoffs. Baker Mayfield is out. So... um You know, this was supposed to be a a pretty decent year for them, particularly since they went to the AFC Championship, if I'm not mistaken last year, right? Um, You know, disappointing, but again, that's just kind of what happens. You know, teams have these ups and these downs, so again, once once a team starts winning consistently for them, I'm going to probably rate them a little bit higher in my mind but um you know having a AFC championship appearance last year and going eight and nine this year with a new coach and everything you know I think they they, they got the same coach but still just um you know you got to keep up the momentum I mean, again, that was a, this has been a disappointment for the Browns. Uh, moving on, we have another AFC North matchup. The Steelers hold on in overtime uh, to beat the Ravens 16 13. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is going to be around at least one more week. Uh, you know, they finished the year 9 7 and 1, of course, qualifying for a wild card. It was done by the skin of their tinny Chin Chin, but they did it. The Ravens course with the loss finish the year eight and nine missing out on the playoffs again. Uh for the Steelers, Big Ben will go thirty or forty four for two hundred and forty four yards. He would throw with a touchdown, but he would throw with a pick. Again, that's kind of been his uh pattern. Uh he'll have an okay game. Throw a couple touchdowns or maybe one touchdown, and he's going to throw a pick as well. Chase Claypool will end up being the recipient of that touchdown pass. Uh, Cameron Hayward on the defensive end will get a sack, and uh, Terrell Edmonds will get an interception for the Steelers as well. TJ Watt, of course, J.J. Watt's little brother, will make NFL history by uh, tying the single-season sack record at 22-and-a-half. Again, that is tied with Michael Strahan of the New York Giants. Legendary pass rusher, but I kind of think he broke the record in my opinion i think they were kind of throwing him some shade with that but unfortunately they uh counted that they counted it as attack his first quote-unquote sack as a tackle for loss so again he just ends up tying the record uh but moving on to the ravens uh, tyler hunt huntley will get the start going 16 to 31 Going two picks, not a really great game from him. Latavius Murray would have 150 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And defensive back Kayvon Seymour would come up with a sack for the Ravens. Uh, Again, not a really good showing for the Ravens. And it looks like the Steelers want to hold on at least for another week, just for Big Ben. Uh, Moving on, we have a NFC North matchup between the Packers and the Lions. The Lions, uh, I mean, I don't know how they get it. They do get the upset here, winning 37-7. Uh, they finished year three and thirteen. Of course, they had that one tie to the Steelers. And the Packers finished the year still. with a good record at thirteen and four. They have a pretty high seed going into the playoffs. And of course, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP uh, candidate, uh, looking like everybody's favorite right now, except for one person in the media. I mean, I, I could care less either way. I'm more interested in what he does in the playoffs. I mean, um, as far as I'm, as far as I've seen, his teams fall apart in the playoffs. So I mean, again, he's a good regular season quarterback. Uh, but again, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily impress me in every playoff run. That's just me. Uh, however, in Week 18, he would go 14 to 18 for 138 yards. He would throw a couple touchdown patch- passes. Excuse me. Patrick Taylor would be the Packers' leading rusher. He would have 53 yards on the ground. He would also get a touchdown. Al-Lazar will be the recipient of a Rod's uh, passing. Uh, Touchdowns. You also have five receptions for 75 yards. Uh, Tight end Josiah DeGuara would have a receiving touchdown as well. And linebacker Chris Barnes would get seven total tackles. And uh, Dean Lowry would come up with a sack. The Lions, uh, Jared Goff, would have a really decent game. 21-30, 238 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. DeAndre Swift would uh, have a rushing touchdown. Amon St. Brown, again, he's been on a tear lately for this squad. Eight receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown. Again, uh, something that they can hang their hats on going into next year. Uh, You know, really uh, really, uh, a really good bright spot for them. Kalief Reyna- uh, Raymond excuse me, but that four receptions for 101 yards and a touchdown. And Brock Wright would have a receiving touchdown as well. And defensively, uh, the Lions would get uh, 13 total tackles and, and an interception from safety. Troy Walker and Julian Aquara uh, will come up with two sacks as well. I believe he's a defensive end. So a good game to cap off the year for the Lions. Uh, again, the upset will not will not offset the packers too much though so really you know pat on the back to the lions but in the end i mean does it really mean all that much no not necessarily uh but moving on we do have another upset here and this one did have some big implications the jaguars will get it done against the colts 26 to 11 the colts finished the year of course on a high note but still with a losing record Terrible record. On top of that, 3 and 14. And the Colts with the loss, they get eliminated from playoff contention. They finish the season 9 and 8. And um, again, you know, it all fell apart for them. Carson went 17 of 29, 185 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would have a pick. Michael Pittman will be the team's leading receiver. Six catches for 64 yards. And the touchdown and defensive end, El Khadim Muhammad will come up with a sack. For the Jaguars, uh, of course, they had a lot of drama, uh, again, we had the fans come into the stadium dressed as clowns in protest of the owner, Shaq Khan. But again, I did not stop Trevor Lawrence. He, you know, put on a good show for the fans and showed them that they, he, you know, just might still have some potential yet. Going 23 of 32, 223 yards, and two touchdowns from him. Uh, Marvin Jones will be your team's leading receiver. The veteran will get seven receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. Laquan Treadwell, another vet, uh, another vet will get a receiving touchdown. Josh Allen on the defensive end will get uh on the defensive end will get two sacks and linebacker Damian Wilson will come up with a sack and an interception. Again, a ugly loss uh for the Colts and an ugly end for the season because of course they had an MVP candidate too in Jonathan Taylor. And they seem to be kind of right in their ship as well. But again, it all kind of fell apart in the end. And uh to just to be stopped like that against a three and fourteen team, mm, you know, wow. Not a good look. Again, they weren't. It looks like they weren't really deserving of a playoff spot. To be honest with you, uh, moving on back to the NFC North, we get the Vikings getting it done against the Bears. Uh, of course, uh, come from behind fashion. The Bears just don't know how to hold on to a lead in some games. They just can't score. Thirty-one to seventeen is going to be your final score here. Both teams are missing out on the playoffs, but the Vikings finished eight and nine. Uh, we uh, sorry. Vikings finish eight nine. The Bears finish six and eleven. And both teams have fired their coaches. Yes, we will be talking about that as well. Uh, the story of this one is three unanswered scores for the three unanswered scores from the Vikings in the fourth quarter. Like I said, the Bears just cannot hold on uh, to these leads. They can't score. They can't keep up. And it looks like their defense kind of just gave up and got tired in the end. And it's unfortunate, but this has been the cycle from this team for a while now because they actually have a really good defense this year. Uh, but again. Um, it didn't. It didn't come together offensively, and it showed. Uh, but Andy Dalton would go 33 or 48, 325 yards. He would have a touchdown, but he would have two picks. David Montgomery would have 72 yards on the ground. Darnell Moody would be the team's leading receiver with 12 receptions and 126 yards. Damian Williams would get a receiving touchdown, and D'Angelo Blackson on the defensive side of the on the, on the defensive side of things would come up with a sack. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins would go. 14-20 for 250 yards. He would have three touchdown passes. Dalvin Cook, in a down year, uh, to say the least, would just have 79 rushing yards and no touchdowns. Justin Jefferson on the rise. Again, a great young player. Uh, something that the Vikings should be uh, looking for as a contributor in the future. Five catches from him, 107 yards and a touchdown. Amir Smith Marset will get three catches and 103 yards and a touchdown. KJ Osborne will get a receiving touchdown. And defensively, the Vikings were helped out by defensive NJ DJ Wonham. He would get two sacks. So with Anthony Barr from the linebacker spot and Patrick Patrick B- Peterson, excuse me. Patrick Peterson, a vet out there in the defensive secondary, comes up with an INT to seal everything off for the Vikings. Again, both teams miss out on the playoffs, both teams have fired their coaches and that's just the way it plays out for these guys sometimes. Uh moving on, we got the Titans. They hold on to their number 1 seed for the AFC. Uh, they beat out they beat out the Texans 28 to 25 again, a relatively good afc team looking very suspect to close out the year they just get a, a three-point win against a struggling texans who finished the year 4 and 13 i don't know what to make of it uh i you know i'm really hoping um, king henry does come back for them to give them a little bit of help offensively but i don't know what you might get from this squad of course this is the team's second straight divisional title but it just kind of looked it looked ugly this game was not pretty Brian Tannehill will go 23 of 22, 23 of 32, excuse me, 286 yards. He would have four touchdowns. Nick Westbrook would have four receptions, 78 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown would come up with a touchdown as well. Julio Jones and Anthony Frisker would get receiving touchdowns. And defensively, Kyle Pico and Jeffrey Simmons would both come up with sacks. For the Texans, uh, we got, uh, excuse me, they will get a good game from uh, Davis Mills. He will go 23 of 33 for 301 yards. He would throw three touchdown passes. Danny Amendola will be the leading receiver for the Texans for set with seven receptions, 113 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Moore will come up with a receiving touchdown. And defensively for Houston, Malik Watkins from the uh, the defensive tackle spot will come up will come up with a sack. Now, uh, moving on to the NFC South, uh, we got the Saints ending the year with a 30 to 20 win against the Falcons. They end the year nine and eight. The Falcons finish seven and ten for the Saints. This is pretty much another. A tryout for Drew, B- Drew Brees' replacement. We got Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill both getting action. Uh, Simeon will go nine to 15 for 71 yards and two touchdowns. Taysom Hill will go seven to nine for 107 yards. He'd also get a touchdown as well. Alvin Kamara will be the team's leading rusher with 146 yards. Trey Kwan Smith will be the team's leading receiver. He will get five receptions for 76 yards and a touchdown. Adam Troutman and Jawan Johnson will get receiving touchdowns as well, and defensive uh, defensively defensive back Paul uh, Paulson Adebo will get five total tackles and interception, and Marcus Davenport and Cameron Jordan will both come up with sacks. For the Falcons, Matt Ryan will go twenty of thirty three, two hundred and sixteen yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw a pick. Uh, quadri, sorry, uh, Quad. Uh, yeah, Quadre Olison uh, will get a rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Russell Gage will get nine receptions for 126 yards and a touchdown. And linebacker Foyasade Olocun will get 13 total tackles. Uh moving on, we got an NSC uh NFC West matchup. The Seahawks in the year with uh W uh, finishing seven and ten They get the win against the Cardinals, 38-30. The Cardinals finish 11-6, yet they are still going to the playoffs. Um, The key to this game here was the Seahawks forcing five sacks. And, uh, you know, again, getting after the quarterback, the Cardinals look very sloppy in this game. Again, just like with Tennessee, they both hold on to their their high playoffs ranking or whatever, or seeding. But... They didn't look that good um, at all. I, I Actually, I think uh, the corners will be going uh, to the um, to the wild card matchup. So they will have to be, they will have to rematch again uh, with the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. We'll, we will go over at least the matchups in just a second. Uh, Kyler Murray uh, will end up going 28 of 39 for 240 yards. James Conner would have... Uh, Oh, he would throw a uh, Murray, would throw a touchdown pass as well. James Conner would go 52 yards on the ground. Uh, He would have a touchdown. He would have six receptions for 41 yards and a touchdown as well. And defensively, Jalen Thompson would come up. With an INT. Now, for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson will go 15 to 26 for 238 yards. He would have a touchdown, but he would throw a pick as well. Uh, but he would also help out with a rushing touchdown. Rashad Penny, uh, he was on a tear to close out the year. 190 rushing yards in last week's game, and he also would have a touchdown. Tyler Lockett will be the team's leading receiver with five catches, 98 yards two touchdowns. Freddie Swain will get a receiving touchdown, and defensively linebacker Jordan Brooks would have 20 total tackles, and Carlos Dunlap will get a sack uh, to help out as well. Uh, Moving on, we got the Bills closing out AFC East play with a win against the Jets 27-10. They finished the season 11-6. The Jets uh, nondescript 4-13. Uh, for the Jets, Zach Wilson again looking very incompetent, looking like he's going to probably be a bust. 7-20, 87 yards. He does end up with a touchdown pass. I don't know how. Keelan Cole would have three receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, CJ Mosley from the from the linebacker spot will get thirteen total tackles for the uh, for the Bills. Josh Allen will get will go twenty four forty five for two hundred and thirty nine yards. He would have two touchdown passes. Devin Singletary will be your team's leading rusher. Would have eighty eight yards. He would have a touchdown on the ground and he would have a receiving touchdown as well. Stephon Diggs will be your team's leading receiver with nine catches, eighty one yards, and a touchdown. Mario Addison will come up with two sacks as well as safety. Jordan Poyer Uh, moving on we have the Buccaneers uh, they get it done against the Panthers, 41 to 17. The Buccaneers, of course, I believe they have a the first-round bye. Uh, they finished year 13 and 4. The Panthers again struggled this year. They finished at 5 and 12. For the Panthers, Sam Donald will go 29 of 42 for 219 yards. He will throw two touchdown passes, but he would throw a pick. Uh, DJ Moore will be a teensy leading receiver with seven sorry seven receptions and 87 yards. Roby Robbie, sorry Robbie Anderson would have seven catches. Just for 50 yards and a touchdown. And Chuba Hubbard will get a receiving touchdown uh, to help out on top of that. And safety Miles Hatfield uh, will get 12 total tackles. And a sack for the Panthers. For the Bucks, Tom Brady will go 29 of 33 for 326 yards. He would throw. He would throw three touchdown passes. Scotty Miller. Everybody gives him a hard time, but he will get a touchdown in this game. Keyshawn uh, Keyshawn Vaughn will get a rushing touchdown. Actually, Scotty Miller will have a rushing touchdown in this game. Uh, like I said, Keyshawn Vaughn will get a rushing touchdown as well. Gronk will show up with seven receptions and 137 yards. Of course, he got his bonus. I guess because he stayed and he played, and Mike Evans will get six receptions for 81 yards. Sorry, 89 yards and two touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell will catch a touchdown pass as well. And defensively, Antoine Winfield Jr. will come up with a sack, and Anthony Nelson will get a sack as well. Uh, moving on back to the AFC East, we get the Patriots. They end the year uh, with the L against the Dolphins, 24 to 33. The Dolphins finished the year nine and eight and the Patriots finished 10 and seven. For the Patriots, Mac Jones would go 20 of 30 for 261 yards. He would have a touchdown. Brandon Bolden and Damian Harris would both have rushing touchdowns. Sorry, receiving, sorry, sorry. Let me take that back. Brandon Bolden and Damian Harris would have rushing touchdowns, but Brandon Bolden will get a receiving touchdown. Hunter Henry will be the team's leading receiver with five catches and 86 yards. And defensively, Kyle Van Noy will come up with a sack for the Patriots. For the Dolphins, uh, they were led by two attack of our of course, 15 to 20, 15 to 22 for 109 yards and a touchdown. Duke Johnson will have 117 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And Jalen Waddle uh, will get a receiving touchdown. Christian Wilkins uh, and Andrew Van Ginkle will both get sacks, and Xavier Howard will get a touchdown. Uh, a touchdown. Six, so he ended up, you know, again, uh, picking, picking, uh, sorry, picking Mac Jones off the seal of the fate of uh, the Patriots, at least for that game. They're still going to the playoffs again. Uh, the Dolphins would force three turnovers and actually score 16 points from them. Uh, now, the, for the Patriots, not only did they give up a lot of turnovers, they also gave up a lot of penalty yards. Uh, they had eight total t- uh, penalties. Not necessarily a good game from that standpoint standpoint from the Patriots as well. So they look a little bit rocky going to the playoffs, too. Uh, Moving on, we have the 49ers getting an upset win over the Rams, 27-24 in overtime. The Niners finished the year 10-7, and yes, they will be going to the playoffs. The Rams finished the year 12-5, and still... Uh, end up winning the NFC West uh, for the Niners. Jimmy G would go twenty-three of fifty-two for three hundred and sixteen yards. He would have a touchdown, but he would throw two picks. He is dealing with an injury, so it is what it is. Debo Samuel would have a passing. T- uh, sorry, excuse me, a passing touchdown. A rushing touchdown, and he would have four receptions for 95 yards. He was a team's second-leading receiver, uh, all-around beast uh, in last week's game. Eli Mitchell would have 85 rushing yards. Brandon IU could be the team's leading receiver with six catches and 107 yards. Jawan uh, Jawan Jennings would have six catches for 94 yards and two touchdowns. And defensively, Emmanuel Mosley would get six catches for sorry six total. T- six total tackles and an interception and Eric Armstead will come up with two and a half sacks. For the Rams, Matt Stafford will go 200 and in- foot, sorry, 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 uh, Stafford would go twenty-one or thirty-two for two hundred and thirty-eight yards. He would have three touchdowns and two interceptions. Of course, Cooper Cup was a main beneficiary of all this, with seven receptions and also one hundred and eighteen yards and a touchdown. Tyler Higby would get six receptions and fifty-five yards and a touchdown. And safety Tyler Rapp would get eight eight total tackles and an in interception. And Jalen Ramsey would come up with an interception as well. Now the Rams, uh, would come up. Would come out. To a fast start, uh, and we're leaving. are leading. Excuse me, 17 to three at halftime, but they were outscored 24 to seven in the second half, including overtime. Uh, they only had 64 total rushing yards, and it just they looked out of sorts in the second half, at least. And defensively, the Niners will force five sacks. That was their key to getting this one done, and that'll probably be their key to getting wins in the playoffs. And finally, uh, we're gonna wrap everything up with course the game of the week uh, overtime thriller in vegas i told y'all it was going to be showdowns in the desert shootouts in the desert and the raiders um they proved me right they get it done 35 32 like i said in overtime they finished the year 10 and 7 qualifying for the playoffs the chargers finished the year 9 and 8 i feel good eliminating them for playoff from playoff contention i would not have been satisfied with a tie and i was very mad to find out that Bissaccio was even thinking about going for a tie you don't go for ties you go for the win if you end up getting a tie then fine that's just the way it is but you don't ever just go for the tie that's how you end up losing you gotta go for the win you don't play not to lose you play to win but anyways uh Let's talk about the Chargers. Great game from Justin Herbert, 34 or 64, 383 yards, three touchdowns. But he would throw a pick, but just uh, near that, near the end of the game in that fourth quarter, just a really phenomenal showing, uh, just making clutch plays when they needed to be made. And I take nothing from him. He he did not end up getting this one, but... Again, who knows what happens next year. The sky's the limit for this guy, I feel. On the ground, of course, Austin Eckler would do his thing. 66 rushing yards, he would have a touchdown on the ground and also a receiving touchdown. I believe he has 20 total touchdowns on the year. Mike Williams would have 9 total catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. And Josh Palmer would have 4 receptions for 45 yards and a touchdown. Derek Carr would go 20 of 36 for 186 yards. He would throw 2 touchdown passes. I believe he threw a pitch. Pick as well, but I could be wrong on that. Josh Jack, Josh Jacobs would have 132 rushing yards and a touchdown. Brian Edwards would have four receptions for 63 yards, and Hunter Renfro would come up with two receiving touchdowns. Defensively, of course, Max Crosby showed up, uh, two total sacks from him, and Casey Hayward would come up with a costly, uh, with a sorry, with a you know very important INT. Uh, a couple of takeaways from this one: Daniel Carlson again shows up five of five on the field goals. Of course, the game winner, one of the best I've, best kickers I've seen in a while. For the Raiders, this is their first playoff since 2016, first playoff appearance since twenty sixteen and it's their, just their second since two thousand two. Uh, the Raiders come into this one as a number five seed. So, uh, you know, a couple little a couple little notes about them: This is the first team in thirty seasons to convert. A fourth down um six times in one game and they also won four games their final four games by a total of just 12 points this is the lowest scoring margin for any team in their final four games so uh, again they worked hard they had a lot of drama but uh they did everything they could in their own power to make sure they get to they got to the playoffs and uh, it's a good look. This is I mean, uh, this is a team that's you know, maybe a couple I've always I mean again for the past few years I'm saying they've been a the number one receiver away. Um again we're gonna probably need a, a decent head coach, but I think offensively you get us a, a decent I mean a decent number one receiver defensively, if you can get us a solid shutdown corner maybe to help lead those uh lead those those cornerbacks. Uh, we have a really good defensive line. We have a solid linebacker course. so if we can get a solid, uh, you know, defender in the secondary. You know, I, I think that'll be great. Uh, again, like a great number one receiver, and we'll see what happens with a decent coach as well. Uh, but speaking of coaches, uh, like I said, we have a lot of drama come Monday. A bunch of coaches get got fired. Uh, at least four of them. Uh, at this point so we're going to talk uh, talk a little bit about it uh first off starting off with uh, vic fangio of the denver broncos again he was fired uh, he was the first coach to be fired i believe he was fired sunday he last played saturday so again that's what you get after a four game losing streak to cap off a seven and ten season like i said vic fangio and also the offensive coordinator pat Shermer were both fired by the broncos Over the three seasons he was there, Fangio would finish with a record of 19 and 30. With Fangio, a former defensive coordinator Denver, would actually hold solid on defense uh, all season pretty much, uh, finishing 10th in yards allowed and 3rd in points allowed. Offense was the biggest Achilles heel for the team uh, where they averaged 19.7 points per game, good enough for 22nd in the league. They're also 19th in total yards, so middle of the road and also 19th in passing, uh, passing yards, and they pretty much struggled uh, with whoever they had at quarterback. You know, just you know, whether it was Teddy Bridgewater, of course, we saw Drew Locke uh, get some, get some, you know, some burn this season. They just didn't seem to look that good at all offensively. Uh, but moving on, uh, we had the Dolphins making a move as well. They decided to let go of Brian Flores. This one caught me by surprise. After three seasons, he was let go. His overall record was 24-45, and despite having two back-to-back winning seasons. Uh, I guess this was not good enough for this franchise. Uh, He was also undefeated against the Patriots, which I really don't understand why they would let him go. Um, Again, they would miss out on the playoffs this year for the fifth straight year. Again, I know the Dolphins are looking at that, but again, I think he's turning the corner with that team. They were changing the mindset of the team, and I think it was just a matter of time. Uh, they would start off the year with a seven-game losing streak after winning their, their season opener, but they would end the year with a seven-game winning streak, so it's obvious that he can get this team ready to play. It's just he needed some time. Uh, this team was 25th in total offense, however, 30th in rushing. Uh, to attack of Tagovailoa was not that bad this year. He did improve, but... I'm a little bit iffy on him as a franchise QB, to say the least. Uh, they were 20th in points per game. Sorry, sorry, 22nd in p- uh, points per game, with just 20. Uh, they were also 16th in scoring defense, so middle of the road there, uh, giving up almost 22 points there. Uh, we, they were 15th in total defense and also 13th against the rush, so a very... Uh, Average defense, however. Uh, And I think that's another reason why they probably let him go. Uh, He was supposed to be, you know, a great defensive mind. I guess they're expecting him to kind of have this team at least top 10, whether or not, you know, kind of how they finish. They were expecting the the team defensively to be a little bit better. And also, I think they were expecting a little bit of uh, an improvement for Tagovailoa. And I think in there, you know, a little bit concerned about that because, again, he, I mean, it looks like unless they get, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, which, it's probably not going to happen now because he was really interested in playing with Flores. So it might not happen with Deshaun Watson. It looks like Tua might just be their guy for the future. So hopefully, whoever their next coach is, uh, Brian Flores wasn't good enough. I'm hoping they're looking for somebody who, you know, works with, works with that quarterback. Um, again, I'm a little bit surprised as to why they would let him go. Uh, they've had some decent success with him so far it's just one of those moves um i'm not saying i i mean again i kind of don't agree with it but i mean for their for their sake uh they're gonna have to get somebody at least at this point that knows how to work with quarterbacks because to me it looks like they're gonna be as far as the owner is saying that they're gonna be riding with Tua as their quarterback so uh definitely a head coach that works well with quarterbacks is is a must for these guys uh moving on uh we have some uh firings for monday we start off with mike zimmer from the minnesota vikings he will go seven and nine this year we did talk about that last loss uh to was it the no that well the they ended up winning excuse me uh against the the bears but again overall just a a pitiful year from this team uh outside of the two uh sorry he's coming outside he's coming sorry he's coming off of two back-to-back losing seasons that being zimmer uh, he's also known for being abrasive to his coaches and some of his players as well. Uh, he's notably clashing with members of his uh, offensive staff, so not a good look. So it seems to be a little bit toxic there, and they're not winning. Not a good combination. Uh, but they're 12th in total yards offensively, t- uh, 10th in passing. So Kirk Cousins has been you know, evolving to some extent. They are 14th in scoring, uh, 25 points per game for them. Uh, but they they did have problems with defense. And again, Mike Zimmer is a defensive coach and it looks like they just did not show up this year. Uh, they were 24th in points allowed with 25. Uh, they were 30th in total defense, 29th versus the pass, and twenty-sixth versus the run. Again, if you're making your bones as being a defensive mind minded coach and your defenses look like this, they're near the bottom of the league and you know, you got drama following you anyways, then yeah, it makes sense that you're going to get fired. Um, and that's the way it is. I don't really feel for the man. Moving on, we got Joe Judge getting canned as well by the Giants. Uh, he finished uh, just two seasons there, going 10-23. to 23. Uh, Despite uh, having three years left on this contract. I guess he just said, fuck it, you are not for us. Uh, now, back in the day, uh, Joe Judge was pretty much, you know, considered to be this, I, I don't know, I mean, he, he you know, he came from the Belichick coaching tree. So everybody... Had you know, all these high hopes for him and everything, but uh especially, the, well, not necessarily so much going into this year, but they would, a lot of people f- figured that he would be able to get one more season at the helm. Uh, but that just did not happen. happen because they went up losing six straight to finish the season and they will lose by a, comp- a combined score of 163 and 56. Uh, GM uh, Dave Gettleman will end up retiring uh as well, so again, we're this team is looking for a whole new identity, a whole new way of doing things. I don't know what's happening with the next season. This team is officially under construction. Uh, They were 31st in total offense this season, 31st in passing, 31st in scoring. Uh, They were 23rd in points allowed with 24 and a half. They were also 21st in total defense. They were 14th against the pass, which is average, but they were near the bottom of the league against the run. So a lot of issues with this team. And finally, we got Matt Nagy of the Bears. Uh, He was let go after four seasons, going 34 or 31. One the best record it seems like of these coaches, but again a lack of playoff success. Uh, he only had one losing season, but again the lack of playoff success, you know, it, it means a lot. And uh, since his last playoff uh, appearance, uh, he in his first season he's gone twenty and twenty-seven. And he's failed to develop QBs, you know, Mitch Trubisky and also Justin Fields. This team ended up 24th in total the offense. They were a top 10 defense, but again, if you can't put points on the board, you can't balance things out there, you're going to struggle. And uh, the Bears, they want a new look. This was, we had, you know, the Bears had kind of already put this out there, you know, for months now that this was going to happen. So it is a matter of time, pretty much. That's the way it is. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call it a wrap for tonight. If you are looking to get in touch with me, I will leave my links available to you. Uh, please do. Uh, please check out my newest YouTube edition. Uh, Any given Sunday, anything can go wrong. Uh, pretty much detailing the drama between Antonio Brown and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, please show some love. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. And uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love, and I will be back soon. Oh, before I do, let you guys go. I guess I might as well go over these playoff matchups real quick. I will go into further detail about kind of what to expect or kind of how I see these games playing down. Uh, with some more analysis but uh, for now I'll just get the bracket out the way for now on Saturday uh, we have the wild card matches with the Raiders and the Bengals also the Patriots and the Bills Uh, we have on Sunday uh, the Eagles facing the Buccaneers the Niners going up against the Cowboys we also got the Steelers facing the Chiefs and on Monday we finish everything off with the Cardinals and the Rams like I said uh, if not today then tomorrow uh, well sorry (laughs) Uh, today is almost done so uh, today we're looking at Wednesday uh, if not if not tomorrow which is Thursday then maybe Friday uh, look out for some more analysis about about this uh, like I said as far as YouTube is concerned I am working on the history of Oregon football uh, so give me some time on that like I said I've been going through some things the past few weeks forgive me uh, but I am getting back into the hang of everything and what I like to do so again thank you for the support thank you to everybody that's gave me the real wishes and kept me going and uh, i will be back soon like i said if anybody hasn't told you i love you peace out one love now i'll let you guys later